This week, simple and easy cocktails you can make from the road. A new thing that Verizon has done for us travelers out there that is going to make life a heck of a lot easier. And we talk with Chuck Woodbury from RVTravel.com about his 20 years covering the RV business and where it stands today. This is RV Miles. RV Miles is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we are all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 158 of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors and RV, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. We come to you this week from the beautiful Massacre Rock State Park. Beautiful, beautiful. But, but kind of... <laughs> Kind of ominously named Massacre Rock State Park in the great state of Idaho. Uh, we've been in Idaho for a, uh, almost a couple weeks now. Not quite. No, we've been in Idaho for less than a week. We've been in Idaho for less than a week now. <laughs> we are in this weird place right now because we have not left this campground except one time yeah. since we got here on Saturday. Well, twice. I drove to get Pizza Hut. Oh, right. Yeah, the all-important... <laughs> yes. You did go get the all-important pizza. We have been just hunkering down here, chilling out. The weather has been extremely hot. 100-degree days. We actually we got in the truck the other day. We, we planned um, to drive into town just to have vehicle air conditioning because yeah. we knew it was going to be very hot. <laughs> but when we started the truck, now I know this isn't like the real outdoor temperature, but this was the temperature inside the truck was 124 degrees. Yeah, it was warm. And that was supposed to be the hottest day. And we had thought, well, let's make that our Walmart pickup day. Let's make that like kind of we're going to drive into town, which was about a half an hour from here. We're listening to an audio book that we all are really enjoying. So that was a bonus. And I think think yesterday or today was actually hotter <laughs> than Monday. It has felt just like I told I told someone the other day, it feels like when I step outside that the air is just squeezing me. Like it just <laughs> it's squeezing me because it's just so hot and stifling. And you know, I love hot weather. I have said over and over I will take hot weather over cold, frigid weather any day. This is a little much in the sense that it's still, it's humid. It's getting really close to Kansas City weather, and that is ridiculous hot well, weather. Look, so. I, I am not a fan of super hot weather. Like, I'm really excited about getting up to Yellowstone where it's going to be much cooler and we can wear layers and all that Ugh. sort of stuff. But listen, this week, Death Valley National Park 
recorded 130 degree temperature, a record temperature since 1913. In 1913, they recorded 134, but there are there are some doubts as to the accuracy of that 1913 <laughs> reading. So uh, they're they are calling this 130 degree temperature, the the highest exterior temperature ever recorded on Earth. Well, they are getting a lot of hot weather. I just talked to my brother who's in the L.A. area, and he was saying that just the other day they hit around 104, 105. And I said, oh, is that your heat index? And he said, I wish. <laughs> so there's so, just a lot of heat right now. But again, I still I'm not going to complain too hard about it. I will take it any day. I know you are really excited about Yellowstone. I'm really excited about Yellowstone, too. Am I excited about the word layers? Jackets? No. I'm not. I Be, no, I'm not. I'm can't just not. Wait. I can't. Long sleeves can't wait. No, no, not here for it. Not long sleeves don't care. Not here for it. Anyway, one of the ways that we're beating the heat around the campground is camp cocktails. Now, drinking. listen, we. <laughs> we're look, just I drinking. <laughs> That's what we're doing. I love to make like you know, 50 ingredient cocktails. That's not something that we have the luxury of doing here. We have a very small kitchen area and carrying like a full bar with us seems like a little bit of a luxury, a little bit of a ridiculousness. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Well, um, and especially but... <laughs> when I have a constant worry about the weight inside the RV, how much we have with us, you know, that's something I'm always trying to be very mindful of. So giving up weight for an entire bar like we used to have, ain't happening. So we're really into like these two, three, four ingredient cocktails lately, and sometimes made with stuff that you use for other things that are multi-purpose, you know, mixers. And Abby put together an article about some of the things that we, and what we'll do often is just <laughs> go get the ingredients for one of them. And that's what we'll have for like, until that stuff's gone. Right. And then we'll do a different one. We also really like to buy one particular liquor staple and then make a lot of different little cocktails off of it with things that are a little bit more universal in the house. So like, you know, juice, which is something the kids will drink and, you know, we can have, but then the vodka is specifically ours, obviously. And then when we get really bored of whatever it is, we move on to something we move else. On. Now, not that we not to sound like luscious. Maybe we have one cocktail a night. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe two. Too. Maybe <laughs> sometimes too. But what's really great is this article I put together isn't just from my brain. We went into the RV Miles Facebook group a couple of weeks ago, actually a couple months ago. And what sparked this... <laughs> just got around to that now, <laughs> no, huh? <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't even know what day it is. We had been staying at Echo Basin in Colorado, which had a restaurant and a bar. And we had sometimes gone over at the end of the night and grabbed a couple of their frozen margaritas. And that kind of sparked this little conversation over on the RV Miles Facebook group. So I put this article together, and it's mostly from recipes that everyone else is using at the campground, which is super cool because there are some things that people are creating that just sound so good. So give us an example. Okay. So the one I really, really want to try that's high on my list right now is the blackberry lemonade margarita. Ooh. I know. Doesn't that sound really, really good? So basically you're taking blackberries, you're turning that into a blackberry puree. Then you're just taking lemonade. Whatever lemonade you like, you can make it yourself, you can buy it in the bottle, whatever. And then you just add some tequila 
and you're done. Yeah, and you're not squeezing limes and stuff like that. No, and then, it's not a real margarita, but who the heck cares oh, what you who call cares? it? Right, exactly. You just add a little of the puree, add a little bit of lemonade, add a little bit of tequila, boom, bang, you're done. What what about one that we that we normally do have? The one that we've tried. Oh yeah. So the one that we've been drinking all summer long that I think maybe we did just finally burn out on <laughs> is we've been drinking what we call a pina colada on the rocks. Now this started off really fancy for the campground and then it really turned into lazy. At the campground? I think that's really common when people, like, get excited about yes. making a new drink. They're like, oh, I've got this awesome recipe. I'm going to make this big drink. And then and then you eventually, you make the next one, the next batch, yeah. or, or two batches later. is like, what are the basics of this drink? Yeah, like, ain't nobody <laughs> got time for the coconut milk anymore. So what we were making was, I call it a pina colada on the rocks. And essentially, it is pineapple juice. It was light rum. And it was coconut milk. And it was coconut milk that you could buy in the jug at the grocery store. So that's what we were doing. So we were doing a shot of rum. We're doing about fourth a cup of the coconut milk. And then we're topping the rest of it off with pineapple juice. It was delicious. And then eventually it was like we ran out of the rum. And it was like, oh, well, let's just bypass that coconut milk and let's just go buy coconut rum. Yeah. So now what we do is we just do coconut rum, pineapple juice. On the rocks. Yeah, now, I know rum and pineapple juice is not blowing anybody's no, minds I right know. now. Like, let's not. But, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have that creaminess, you know, but it, it, no. it's, it's, it's a pretty good way to pass the time, you know, to have. <laughs> And it, well, to, to, you know, to just have the room in your in your yeah. fridge for just that pineapple juice yeah. is, is perfect. Like, we don't have the space for all these ingredients. Anyway, we have an article on the website. You can look for it in the show notes for this episode, rvmiles.com slash 158. Or if you're watching in YouTube, in the description, we'll put a link to this article for some simple, easy-to-make campground cocktails that you can make in a batch. And you can put them in a pitcher. And Oh, yeah, there's you know. sangrias. Yeah. Let's not forget Manhattan's. Manhattans were what got me through my 20s. <laughs> they did not get me through my 30s, and they are not going to get me through my 40s. But they did get me through my 20s. I have very distinct memories of hanging out at Blue Bayou, drinking Manhattans, when you were working on your off nights from the theater, managing a bar restaurant. How on earth anyone thought it was a good idea to have you manage a Friday night bar restaurant but you were doing it at like 25 years old. I was. It was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was definitely cost effective for me. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And we've got a whole lot more coming up in the show. I'm really excited about this interview with Chuck Woodbury. We had a really great discussion. I think you're going to like a lot of what he has to say about the state of the industry right now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser and our interview with Chuck Woodbury from rvtravel.com. Be right back. Are you already dreaming of that epic 2021 road trip? Or maybe you want to take a weekend road trip and explore your state. Now is the perfect time to become a Road Trippers Plus subscriber and put those plans into action. A Road Trippers Plus subscription allows you to add up to 150 stops to your road trip ad-free. You can look for campgrounds, local eats, outdoor recreation, and more. A Road Trippers Plus subscription is normally $29.99. However, RV Miles listeners can save 20% off with coupon code RVMILES2X. That's 20% off Road Trippers Plus with code RVMILES2X. 
X. We'll put a link to the discount in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 158. You know, we've been working with road trippers for quite a while now on the See America podcast. And, uh, and, and we see when people use that coupon code. People are going crazy over Road Trippers Plus right now. People yeah. are really planning lots of road trips right now. They're doing really well, <laughs> and uh, and I'm happy for them, and I'm happy that uh, that we're able to provide this discount for you guys because they don't offer a lot of discounts. So this no. is one of the few options you can get a discount for Road Trippers Plus if you're interested through our code. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. You're driving a car. On your right is a steep cliff. Right in front of you, there is a horse. And right behind you, an elephant, both of which travel at your own speed. On your left, there's a fire truck blocking you. How do you stop your car? Before you attempt to answer this. I'm not I, attempting. I, want, oh. I don't want to break my streak. <laughs> I want to say hi to our friend Howard, who has uh, answered many, many of these brain teasers. And Howard answered this one. I, I think this episode went out at like 2 in the morning yeah. <laughs> uh, last week. And he put it out. He, he, he emailed us with the answer at five in the morning. So it was five in the morning. Our time. <laughs> our I time. It this was must seven, be a little lighter where but he is. I got to say like, Howard, you are my life morning goals. <laughs> we don't get up that early. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't get up that early. <laughs> I am up and functioning. Sort of, kind of. Anyway, the answer is you ask the merry-go-round driver to stop because you are on a merry-go-round. merry-go-round. There you go. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> we'll have a new brain teaser later on in the show. Well, this has been a really interesting time for the RV industry. By all measures, this was supposed to be a terrible year. Sales were way down over the winter, but the pandemic really brought it roaring back to life due to the fact that nobody wants to get on an airplane or stay in a hotel right now. So I was hoping that this year might have been a year that the RV industry took some time to reflect and, and figure out where it is and what it is, because I think in some ways this industry is just 20 years behind every other U.S. industry, especially the automotive industry, which it often will get compared to. So it's with that that I noted that RVTravel.com has been around for 20 years, has been writing about the RV life for 20 years. Chuck Woodbury, the editor, has been writing on the internet since pretty much it was possible to write on the internet. He's considered one of America's first bloggers, and now he's so much more than that. Please welcome to the show, editor of RVTravel.com, Chuck Woodbury. I'm glad to be with you, Jason. So you're primarily a, a website for RV consumers, RV travelers, and an email newsletter. And, and email newsletters may seem a little bit passe to some, uh, but you have one of the biggest ones out there. And it is just chock full of so much information. And it's been around for a really long time. In fact, you're often called one of the first bloggers, aren't you? Yeah, I've been called that. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the history of RVTravel.com and how did you begin covering RVs. I never intended to be a, writing about RVing. And when I was younger, when I started, RVing was incredibly uncool. It was, it was grandma and grandpa's playhouse. Um, bumper stickers were spending our children's inheritance. It was, um, I, I started, I bought my first motorhome when I was in my early 30s. I'd already been out in uh, truck campers and whatnot, borrowed, uh, rented in, in my late 20s. But I always had a dream in college that I would have a, a, a a mobile business, be on the road, something 
and I studied journalism and worked in the college newspaper. And uh, anyway, one thing led to another, did a lot of freelance writing, and this was before the internet, so there was no internet. And then I one day decided to start what I called an on-the-road newspaper. I called it Out West. Uh, the idea was I would travel around the West in a small motorhome and write about my adventures. I'd had experience in publishing. I won't go into all of this, that, that. But I put out the first issue and uh, I got a nice little, somehow USA Today got a hold of it, did a nice little review. And then ABC News put me on the evening news, which back then had an audience of 22 million. That led to a book contract that led to six years with the New York Times syndicate sending my stuff all over the world. Uh, then it was the Today Show. Then People Magazine did a couple pages on me and it, it went on and on and on. Meanwhile, I was uh, in an RV and I was not writing about RVing, but I was learning about it. And then when the internet came along and out west, my newspaper kind of run its course, um, I decided, hey, this looks interesting. I'm going to jump into, I'm going to jump in here. And so I had a real head start on um, publishing online about RVing. And, and, and anybody who knows how to how you promote a website knows that you can pay for clicks uh, through search engines. And today, um, that's all those little Google ads that you see. P uh, companies are spending a dollar, two dollars, three dollars per uh, per click for somebody coming. Well, back when I was starting, it was a novelty and it was a penny a click. So I got this huge circulation before anybody else figured out what was going on. And so um, I, uh, I was still traveling and still love to travel in a motorhome. It's always been my dream. And so here, uh, 20 years of, uh, of uh, RV travel has gone by, the newsletter. Um, but, and we also have other newsletters, we publish 650 newsletters a, uh, a year about RVing. So that's gone by. But I actually first started uh, RVing back in, uh, you know, probably 40 years ago. Uh, and the people that followed me back then uh, without West, they assumed that I was probably 60 or 70 years old at the time because that's nobody young was, was doing, was in an RV. So if they come across me now, they must think I'm 120. Um, <laughs> And they go, you're still around, but um, but I'm I'm you know I'm winding down. My daughter's involved. She's 29. She's a veteran RVer. She's uh, like nothing better than to be out. So she's she's doing a lot of the hands-on stuff now, and I'm just kind of pulling the strings and um, uh, writing and kind of exploring the future. But we have a staff of contributors, whether they're employees or freelancers, probably about. 15 or 20 different people on a regular basis. It's quite an effort by a lot of people and it works very smoothly. And so we basically just want to cover everything we can about RVing to um, make it more enjoyable, helpful, uh, safe for RVs, RVers. And we're uh, at odds with the industry all the time um, because they, they're painting a really unrealistic picture of it, uh, which they have been for quite a few years go where you want, when you want. And I'm telling you, when I started, that was absolutely true, but it's not true anymore. So let's talk about that for a minute. The RV industry, they, they come together under this umbrella of the RV Industry Association. And in many ways, it feels to me like a bit of a good old boy club. You know, it's, it's the way that uh, car sales were decades ago. It, it's, it's sort of this thing where all the manufacturers, sure, they're competing with each other, but they come together with sort of this united front in, in putting forth this narrative of, of what the industry can do and, and, and what it can't do. And it, and it seems like if you're uh, a news outlet 
that that sort of goes against that narrative that they want to put forth that that you perhaps might be blackballed a little bit i mean there are several places that cover the rv industry uh but it seems like they do it by tiptoeing and i'm not saying that all manufacturers are that way or anything but but it does seem like there is sort of a a blackball problem for a, for lack of a better term oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. That my friend Greg Gerber who published a very popular industry website called RV Daily Report until about um, about two or three years ago. And he did a series called the RV Industry Death Spiral. And it was really uh, an analysis after he went out for two or three years on the road and really saw what was going on. Um, and he wrote about all the problems. Well, that was it. Um, he was uh, blackballed by the industry. He lost all his advertising. He was totally advertising supported. And he went out of business. He couldn't survive. We are luckily lucky because we have sources of income that don't depend on advertising. We do have advertising. It represents a quarter of our revenue, but it's for mom and pops, small businesses that don't that we know are are good companies. The RV industry, when I started, there were probably a hundred companies that were sharing the market, and you probably had a dozen that were the big big players and the rest. But there was others who were you know players. Now you have Thor, Forest River, and Winnebago controlling close to 90% of the market. So you have three companies that are running the show. And uh, all the other ones are, are small. Um, you know, they turn out 50 a year. They turn out 100 a year. And that big consolidation that happened back with the, with the housing crash and the stock market crash back in 2008 and 2009, right? Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, it had a tough, tough uh, big impact on the RV industry, unlike today, what's going on totally different. And the, uh, the companies like Thor that had money, they, they bought up little companies uh, who couldn't, just couldn't make it. Um, so yeah, that's when it really changed. So with these three major brands, is it, do we have a reduction in competition? Is, is, that, the, is that the real issue here? They, they all have their uh, individual brands that are underneath these parent companies, but are they all putting out the sort of same products? Is there just... Uh, not enough companies competing for the same dollars? Yeah, that's a big issue. And um, they're cranking out even today, although who knows what's going to happen now because dealers are running out of product in Elkhart, Indiana, where you know most of them are made is having problems producing them <clears throat> because of pandemic, uh, uh, COVID issues. But um, they've, they've been cranking full speed. And people do not buy intelligently. They buy an emotion. I think this is one of the easiest industries to sucker people into and then camping world would be the leader in promoting 20-year loans where they're making money they're not making money on their twenty thousand thirty thousand dollar fifty thousand rvs they're making it on warranties and stretching out people's payments for 20 years and and, and i've had people over and over write to me and said i, I want to sell my rv but they say that i have to uh, come up with ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars to pay off the loan they're so upside down um, you drive an RV off the lot, a brand new one, it drops 25% tomorrow. Um, and you still owe, if you put 10% down, or in some cases, they'll even do no percent down. And buyers go in, they, they walk into an RV and they look at it and they go, ah, oh, this is so beautiful. And, and I listen to them at RV shows. I'll, I'll just listen and they'll, they'll be going, oh, wouldn't this be great? We could take it out to the lake. We could do this. We could do that. And they're just dreamy. They don't look at anything. They don't even look to see that, to watch the television. They have to go, you know, 
sideways. And, and you know, in, in, here's a little something that most people don't know. This is, this is how the companies can cheat. There are regulations, the RVIA governs certain basic um, specifications that RVs have to be built to. So they'll say for every 10 foot of RV, there's got to be three plugs on, or one plug on each side. Well, this is just a little thing, but it's an example of what people don't notice, is that that manufacturer can put a plug in the bedroom, he can put one in the kitchen, and he can put one out front. Or he can put three really close together and save 10 foot of cable. And you can go into, some RVs rare, but you can go into the, bat, into the bedroom and there won't even be a plug, or it'll be so hard to find. I, yeah. I, I, I talked to a guy once, I went to an RV show and it was a Fleetwood product, and I looked all over in the, um, the bedroom for a plug. And you know, a lot of the older RVers have these CPAP machines where they, to, to breathe for sleep apnea. And I said, I have looked everywhere for a plug in this bedroom. I can't find one. And he says, oh, and he looked around and there was one, but you had to pull that mattress out so hard you could barely see it. And he says, well, he says, this is designed for a, um, a queen size bed, but every one of you wants a king size. So when you put a king size in there, you can't even get to the plugs. So you have to look at that. Uh, I've had RVers say, um, gee, I, I get my heat comes out of a couple vents, but the one up front, it doesn't come out of. And then, but if you could look underneath what's hidden, you'd find out that instead of taking that, the, the, the tubing, the piping, whatever, that feeds the heat to the front, instead of cutting it a little bit, it's easier for them to just wind it all in, you know, all over the place and stuff it in there. That, and, and so by the time that heat goes all the way around, it loses a little bit. So things like that, that, are, uh, that people don't see, that's the difference between a cheap RV and a really good RV. Yeah, you know, I think I think we got suckered into this idea a bit of a clo- enclosed underbelly. We really wanted an enclosed heated underbelly to, you know, when our furnace is running, it keeps our tanks heated and stuff. But what we didn't realize is so many of these manufacturers, they've caught on to that. They know people want that now. So what do they do? They've put these corrugated plastic under the, I mean, it's it's literally a sheet of disposable plastic that they've put underneath the entirety of the RV, and they call that an enclosed underbelly. And we were really excited about the storage in our RV too. But you really have to look at that stuff. You know, some of those those panels that you you're excited about, you have all this room for storage underneath something, and then when you actually go to use it, you realize it's just a piece of plywood laying there with a finger hole in it. There's no hinges. Uh, they, once you put stuff on, on top of your bed, it's very difficult to lift it up without putting uh, lift kits in it and all that sort of stuff. If it's if it's hidden, if it's not something you see when you walk into that door, they don't really put much into it, do they? No, no, you can't. If you could see how these are made with staples and glue and staple guns, and no screws, and go through a factory and look at an inexpensive one and just pay attention. Now, listen, I'm not saying that they're all badly made. I'm not saying that these, uh, these factories are out to get everybody. I'm not saying they're trying to build these things in an inferior manner. I'm just saying that they will do everything they can to save a dollar to be competitive. It's so competitive. Yeah. Right now, the $20,000 to $40,000 travel traders are selling, uh, millennials mostly. And, um, and they are people are price very price sensitive. And so you will, if you can get your price down by putting in some cheap component as opposed to one that will work better, then they will do it because nobody will ever see it. Well, we have, as consumers, we have some culpability here, right? We're, we're looking for a certain price point and we're looking for certain features and perhaps the features that we're focusing on 
are, are not the ones we should be focusing on. We should, we should be really looking at how these things are built uh, a bit more than, than the little shiny dangly things that we get excited about. Like I said, it's an emotional thing. Buying an RV is very emotional. It is, I mean, I am still, after all these years, I mean, I'm taking off this afternoon, going out for four days into a campground, do some writing. Um, I'm at home now, but uh, it is still, for me, as enjoyable as it was when I started. I still, uh, that little space, I do my best writing there, my best thinking, I get to go out into the forest, whatever. But of course, I was in this, in my case, I was in this little county I'm going to go to this county campground that I used to go to in the summer routinely. I say, oh, I'm going to go off for a few days. Well, now you have to book it ahead. And I had to, I was there last week and I had to come home for two days because it was booked up and now I'm going back. And that's because you can only book it in little three and four day increments because it's packed like everything else. So um, I don't know how I got on that, but the, the RVIA gets a certain amount of money for every RV that's sold. They'll get $100 for, a, say, a Class C. They'll get $50 for a pop-up. They'll get $250 for a bigger one. Their job and the way they pay their salaries and the way they do what they do, promote the industry, is through um, sales of RVs. And so they have – and the manufacturers retain, have the RVA, the RV Industry Association. Their job is to promote RVing. And so they run pictures all the time, advertisements, commercials, it's so these glorious situations, the RV sitting over the cliff along the Pacific coast. And anybody that's been out there much knows that um, uh, if you want hookups, and of course today uh, RVs are so electricity dependent that uh, a lot of these people um, really need to have their hookups. You're going to be into an RV, you're going to be in an RV park where you're going to be at times um, separated where you can hear the guy snoring next door at night. And that's not unusual. Um, it, the reality is it's very crowded out there. The reality is, is that these things need service a lot and there's a shortage of technicians. There is a lot going on. And right now with the number of RVs being sold, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens six months from now. How many people are going to default? Um, Camping World is now running ads buying RVs because they can't get new ones. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because I've, I've had a lot of people talking to me about how, you know, in a year or two or three years, there's going to be a, a, a flood of used RVs for sale. And I wonder if that's true. I wonder if, you know, the, the number of people that are going to be underwater on all these new RVs that are being purchased, are they going to even be able to sell them? Yeah, when they're upside down. And what happens is that some people, uh, they'll go to a dealer and they say, I want that, that one over there. And the dealer will say, well, you owe $10,000 on your own, but we'll just work that into the payment. And so they put another $10,000 on there because they can't afford to go come up with $10,000 cash. And the dealer will say, hey, we'll take care of that, no problem. And they'll stretch it out for 20 years. And um, so uh, they'll do what they can. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I think the, um, the idea, and I think you kind of opened it with it, is that um, this is behind the times. And you do have a bunch of guys out there selling these things that are that to me remind me a lot of the old stereotype of the used car salesman, you know, just kind of jam it down your throat, sell whatever it can, get your commission. Um, and, you know, not a lot of follow-up afterwards. And, uh, um, and so I think that, um, I think there's trouble in paradise, you know, I think there's, um, I mean, again, I, every time I sit here in bad mouth or I have to say that when things are going well, when you are in a beautiful campsite, 
um, with, you know, the love of your life or whatever, you know, and, and you, you, those moments are still in your RV, everything's working. Um, you can afford to make your car payment, your, your payment. A lot of people do make, pay cash. Um, a lot of the older folks do. Um, then it's, it's absolutely unbelievably wonderful. And you understand why people fall in love with the idea of it, because it is, can be, ab I mean, I'm sure you've been in places where it's just like, you got your, you're having your glass of wine in the evening and you're sitting there looking out and you think about all those people, you know, back at home or, you know, sitting in wherever and you go, wow, this is the life. Um, so and, and that's the picture that's so easy to paint to a potential buyer. And, what I'm talking about here, when I talk about the industry being at fault for turning out cheap stuff, the buyers are equally to blame because they do not look at um, critically. They do not have them inspected. People believe you buy an RV, and I see this all the time. We just bought our RV. We're going camping this weekend. They literally, they think it's a car. While you buy a car, you're going to drive it tomorrow. There's going to be stuff wrong, sometimes significantly wrong. And then, of course, another whole other subject, and I'll just touch on it, is that then they call the dealership and say, we just bought this RV, um, got this warranty, and we've got, the roof is leaking, or the slide won't go in. And they said, well, bring it in, but we can't get to it for two weeks. And sometimes they, they can't get to it for months. And sometimes it's not their fault. The part's not available. So if you're a do-it-yourself or you can do a lot of stuff, that helps a lot. But it's, this is a house that's built on a chassis. It's a little cabin built on a chassis that's built. When you, cut, when you say production line, you're not talking about a Henry Ford production line. You're not talking about a car. You're talking about RVs that move and all these carpenters and everything do their little thing. They're building little houses, in some cases very cheap, that are, that are expected to sustain the, our incredibly potholed freeways. Sometimes I think my whole, you know, everything's gonna break when I hit one of those holes in the freeway and, and, the, and the road. So it's very complicated, but the dream is so strong that people will, um, they'll fall for it and they'll, they'll really lose their common sense when buying. And so that's why we work a lot to try to get to new RVers. We just started our beginners RVer newsletter again after many years, it's a daily, um, to try to educate people on buying and then um, understanding the issues with service and so forth. We get really spoiled by the automotive industry sometimes, I think. You know, I, I took my truck to get an oil change um, a few months ago, and I took it to the dealership. It's the first time I've ever taken our truck to the dealership to get an oil change. And it was like going to a spa. You know, when you talk about having six-week waits for uh, RV repair and you go to a dealership and they're, you know, they're bringing you coffee, they're, they have massage chairs, they, they're asking you if you need anything, they, it's, it's like a concierge. Uh, they, it's amazing to me because sometimes it, it just feels like uh, the RV industry for being a luxury product is just so far removed from uh, any level of customer service. But, you know, like you said, they're they're not cars, and uh, that's an expectation that we have to 
move away from. If you buy a house, whether it's new or used, there are going to be things that need to be fixed on it. And these things are just not built the same way cars are. They're built much more like a house is. But I think, I guess my takeaway from our, our conversation here, Chuck, is that this is really about letting the consumers know what they're getting into. And if if people are empowered with that information, they can go in and make smart buying choices. Uh, they can know whether you know they're handy enough to fix the problems that that might come up. They can uh, they can look for things that that might not be right with the RV that they're buying, and you can and then you can enjoy it. If you're you're handy and you want to fix one up, you can buy a cheap one. There. Or if you're not, you can buy you know an expensive one. And I feel like this industry. Uh, may, I w- I would love to see if you agree on this but i feel like in this industry more than many you really do in, in a sense get what you pay for there are these different price points that these units are put out to meet and the quality sort of falls right in line with it yeah you do and um but understand too that the companies are are so good at making cheap rvs look good you can walk into a show and people you hear people asking the question this motorhome over here is 79,000 and this one's 179,000. They look exactly the same to me. You walk in, they don't look that much different. And you go, why is this one 179 and that one 79? But it's what you don't see. It's the construction, it's everything, it's everything about it. And an RV is, is a, a built by people, largely hardly any automation in the actual putting it together. And um, the guys are coming in on a, Friday and they went out and closed the bar downs at two the night before and they're the guys that are going to be stapling something together where it's doesn't where you don't it's not seen who knows what happens these are all this is a people thing you you look at a picture of a um, a, a video of a car assembly plant and you're going to see uh, you're going to see robots putting everything precisely together they don't go out partying Sunday whatever and come in and they don't get sick and they don't care if it's 104 degrees in the warehouse with high humidity and no, you know, near air conditioning. And so the, the RV industry is huge demand in recent years, forcing to turn out things as fast as they can because the dealers need that to, to stay in their business. And then the RV industry itself is busy with their go RVing com- committees and so forth and so on, promoting this to have more sales, but it's really about just cranking out products. And I think that the people um, a lot of people are having, I mean, listen, I can't tell you how many people I know who have written to me that say my RV was in, in the shop for the first seven months of the first year. Um, and I, I hear that all the time. It's not uncommon. And, and I know it's, if somebody's listening to this, watching this, they're going to they're gonna be a little bit scared or reluctant, but maybe they'll think twice and maybe they will, at least if they buy an RV, they will have somebody who knows what they're doing go through it tested. There are these people out there that are called RV uh, inspectors. They go to a school down in Texas and, and they're taught to what to look for. And you pay them four or $500 if you're going to buy an RV, whether new or used. And they will go through it and they will tell you exactly what's good about this and what's bad. Very similar to a home inspector. And because of the boutiqueness of this industry, a bad RV can happen in any brand, right? You there there could be a defect in in the manufacturing because they're, you know, not made by machines; they're made by people, uh, and they're uh, to less to to lesser quality standards than a, than a car. Really, the nicest brands can have 
major problems with them. So there's no brand you can pick that's like, that one's going to be no problem whatsoever. I think most of the cheaper ones you're getting in three little piggies language, you're getting between a straw house and a stick house, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to spend 350000 or $400,000 then for a, a big expensive motor coach, and they can go up to millions, then you're going to get the brick house equivalent. They're going to really be built. But as far as trailers go, the fifth wheels, um, there is no such thing as a half a million dollar fifth wheel. I don't know what they go for, 150 or something for high end, but you can buy a, a fifth wheel, which is really common for people that are, quote, full-timers or living them. And they're, I don't know that they're really very often over $100,000. And they're, and you got to remember that even the RVIA, the industry says that RVs are not made for full-time living. They're meant for part-time living. And the reason is, is if they say they're made for full-time living, they have to then abide by the codes for the mobile home industry, the modular home industry. They have to be built more uh, solidly. And so by not, by saying this is for temporary living, they don't have to, they don't have to uh, come up to that level of, of quality. Um, and people that are watching this also are going to be full-time should also be aware that some insurance companies will not insure them if uh, they're full-time. And it's funny, I saw some thread on Facebook or something and people were talking about that. And the guy says, well, don't tell them, don't tell them. I mean, people say, don't, just don't tell them. You get in an accident, they're going to find out and you're going to be out of luck. Yeah. You don't want to be on the wrong end of an insurance company that has to pay a $90,000 claim on something. They're going to investigate that and they're going to find out if you're full time. Well, Chuck, this has been really interesting, really eye-opening. Your your website is just chock full of, of tips and tricks and information for buyers in, in a really unbiased way. Give us give us the pitch for rvtravel.com and, and, and where people can go to find out about what you guys do. Well, they just go to rvtravel.com and if they want to put a forward slash subscribe, then they'll go right to the subscribe page. It's free. Um, we Our daily newsletter comes out Monday, or not our daily, our weekend newsletter, which used to just be Saturdays. We added a Sunday edition. It's Saturday and Sunday. Um, they can sign up for that or they can pick and choose from other newsletters. Um, but if they're coming to the website for the first time, they'll get a little pop-up um, thing saying subscribe. So rvtravel.com, um, and we're sitting in such a good position right now because um, RV traveling being the only way really a lot of people are willing to travel. They're going, wow, that's cool. I don't get any germs that way. They type in RV travel in Google or anywhere else. And because we're rvtravel.com, we come up number one every time. And so we've uh, doubled our circulation in the last six months. Um, we're adding new writers, um, new features. Um, my whole goal, my background is communication, publishing. I, uh, uh, the more information I can get out there, the better. I wouldn't be sticking around this long if I didn't feel I was really helping people. Um, some of our stories we've done on RV electricity have saved lives because you can be uh, killed by an RV under circum cer certain circumstances. Um, it's not the RV, it's going to be the, the hookup that can be wrong and you're not going to know it if you're not educated. And uh, uh, doesn't happen very often, but it does. And we have had letters from people saying thanks for telling us. And uh, so our job is to educate, entertain. We have fun. Um, we try to keep the uh, angry people away uh, who want to turn everything into politics. It's our big deal right now. Just go somewhere else. We want to have an intelligent discussion here. But they can unsubscribe. Information's private. Hey, 20 years we've been doing this. We, we kind of figured it out. And we, but we, we, we keep getting better all the time, which is incredibly satisfying. 
Well, Chuck Woodbury, thanks for providing such a great service for all of us that travel out here. And, uh, and I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, anytime. RV Miles is supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, add severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. All right, it's time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? So my black tank goes to the people who are camping in Michigan and losing the mines. What is going on up there? So there is this article that came out from Michigan Campgrounds and Trails. And actually, you talk a little bit about it in the news video that we put out today. Just a video that's got a little bit of RV and outdoor camping news. And this is one of the stories. And what is happening is that Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore in Michigan has seen about 20% more in visitation than it did last year, right? Okay, so we all know it's really, really, really busy out there. That's, that's not new news. What is crazy, though, is that they're reporting increased littering and people arriving without reservations and creating illegal campsites. And the people who don't want to use the bathrooms yeah. are creating their own bathrooms. Yeah, people are... People are outdoor recreating because they you know they feel this is a great time to get out and it is and it is but because they're scared of bathrooms because of the coronavirus what they're finding is people are actually just like going next to the bathhouse oh i can't i mean i don't understand it like you know i think anyone listening to this you know we all know what you need to do when you go out into public spaces. We all know what to do to be good campers, to be d good stewards of our lands. For us to go out and have to have this, you know, have to have Michigan start calling people out and being like, look, y'all, you are coming here and you are just creating your own Johnny on the spot. Well, you know, look. And I, you need to not create your own Johnny on the spot. I, pit toilets are disgusting. Like, we all yeah, we all no. know pit toilets no, are disgusting. And, and they, Well, they usually don't have a sink to wash your hands in. Um, no. Obviously, they don't have running water. They, they mostly, they, most they of the time, have, they have hand yes, sanitizer. Yes, yes. But, so, but, but people are grossed out by them in the first place. And then, you know, during this pandemic, they're even more grossed out by the idea of going into them. And, and you've got just a lot of new people, people that don't know what to expect. They know there's going to be bathrooms, so they're going to go. Um, but they don't realize that they're going to be pit toilets that they're not oh. comfortable using. They, there are lots of reports, uh, again, in Sleeping Bear Dunes where, where people are parking at a trailhead. The parking lot is full, so they go park on sensitive dunes. Mm. Um, you know, that sort of stuff. There's a lot of, and I, I boy, I don't want to sound like that I'm anti new people because I'm no. certainly not. But it is the reality of the situation that a lot of new people are finding their local park. 
and it is causing lots of problems. All right, what's in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank this week is a book recommendation. I have been really trying hard lately to read more, to spend a little time stretching my mind in places that I don't normally get to go to a lot and just like trying to swim in imagination a little bit more. I feel like sort of that imaginative part of me has really not been used a lot. So I don't read anything super heavy. I don't like things that feel really dark. I like things that feel light. I feel like escapism. So there's this really great, easy read called The Jane Austen Society. Uh, Spoiler alert, you probably want to like or have read Jane Austen in order to really enjoy this book. I happen to love Jane Austen, so this was a no-brainer. The book is by Natalie Jenner. It took weeks for me to get my hands on this book. It's really, really popular right now. So if you're reading through the Libby app through your library, you might want to just go ahead and put it on hold and then expect it's going to be a minute before you get it. But it's totally worth it. It's very, very smart in the way it's written. It's set in the 1940s. The characters are very approachable and they're going through things that you know, you can relate to in some ways. And it's just, it was a really easy, but really touching and enjoyable read. And so I liked it so much that I put it on my fresh tank this week. And this is the way I know I like a book. And then I'll get off. I could talk about books all day long, but this is the way I know I like a book. If you come to bed and I'm still reading yeah. That's pretty much how I know I like a book because Jason doesn't come to bed. I've till, been like, wondering really why you're up still when I come to bed yeah. recently. So that was the book I was reading. Now I'm reading another book by Sophie Hanna, which is a Hercule Poirot reboot. She's writing in the style of Agatha Christie. So I'm reading that. And that's what's got me up late at night. But that's how I know I like a book. If Jason comes to bed and I'm still awake, it's a good book. All right. All right, Jay, what is your black tank this week? Oh, you know what my black tank this I week do. is. We, we, yeah, I do. So somewhere between, <laughs> so, so we stayed at this really great boondocking spot halfway between here and where we recently were in Salt Lake City. And uh, when we packed up to leave from this boondocking spot, we only stayed one night. We kept the truck hooked up. I noticed that one of the, one of the weight distribution bars on our, on our weight distribution hitch uh, is gone. Totally gone. Just gone. And that's not something that should happen. It should not be easy. And this is a big, heavy bar from an E2 uh, equalizer hitch. And and that thing probably weighs, you know, I don't know. They're heavy. 15 pounds. Yeah, you would think. And it popped off on the road somewhere. <laughs> Did it? I mean, that's the thing. You would think we would have heard it. I mean, that's what's so crazy. The pin was still in it. Um, my hunch and what uh, from the dealership I talked to, they think that maybe it wasn't locked up inside all the way and somehow was holding itself up there without being locked in and fell out. So from now on, once we get a replacement, I'm going to, you know, stand on it to make sure it doesn't come out. I mean, I have to say, you know, we've been with this rig now for 14 months, uh, pretty much traveling full time, half of that time. And I'm surprised that. It's just now happening. Well, I'm, it's I'm, it should know. be a I mean, very rare, rare thing to happen. It should not happen. Well, but the 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 black tank part of it really is trying to get another bar for this oh, because wow. m- most people don't lose them. So we've gone to the two dealerships here, and neither of them wanted to, you know, just 
sell us one without ordering it. So we're going to stop at a dealership in Idaho Falls on our way up to Yellowstone. So that's about halfway between where we are here in at, in uh, American Falls, Idaho, and in Yellowstone. And they are going to pull one out of a kit and sell it to us and then just order another one from themselves to put and back in that kit, which is very much appreciated. It's very appreciated. What's weird, too, is that we only went about 150 miles from the campground we were at to that boondocking spot. And in that that travel time, you know, last week you talked about the bent tire rim mm -hmm. that we had no idea how that had happened. Like the mystery of that is still just boggling us. And then... We have this mysterious disappearance. Yeah. And the, uh, and the weird thing is, too, that the, these hitches are made in Utah. and <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, they're stored on the East Coast. So to get one shipped all the way back here, it was going to take us like 10 days. And that's something we don't have the time to do. Ain't nobody got time for 10 so. days. They're all up there in Hershey <laughs> hanging out, I guess. I, it's, it's very strange. We've had two very mysterious sort of RV repairs. Yeah. Let's just hope that that's it for a while. Yes. No more. All right, Jay, what is your gray tank this week? Because you have a gray tank, not a black tank. It is a gray tank. Um, it is Verizon. Verizon <laughs> is, has, uh, well, they've made some big changes to their cell phone plans that are rolling out on August 20th. And uh, you can read all about it over uh, on rvmobileinternet.com. Our friends over at the RV Mobile Internet Resource Center uh, put together a great article going through this. But basically what Verizon is doing is removing hard limits from tethering. So if you tether to your phone to get data to run your computer or whatever, or to stream to your TV, you have a, you have an amount of data that you can use. And then when you reach the limit of that data, ours is 15 gigabits or gigabytes, whatever it is, you you are you're cut off to speeds of uh, almost unusable. Like no it, it's technically unlimited, yeah. but you're cut off to almost unusable speeds. The big change that Verizon is making with these new plans is they are not going to cut you off. They are going to just network manage you, meaning if the towers are congested, you will become deprioritized and slowed down. If the tower's not congested, you won't be. So, you know, for me working in the middle of the night, uploading YouTube <laughs> videos overnight, that sort of stuff, that's going to be great for us. And we're going to have to switch to this plan. It's going to cost the same basically to get us the same thing that we, we have now. Your um, late nights finally paid off. <laughs> but they do have, they, they are limiting, they're slowing um, video speeds down from uh, 720p to to 480, which is not really a big deal, actually. We watch movies in, in 480 on our TV all the time. I thought it was from 1080 to 720. No, it's, it's, you can, but you can actually go up to 720 and 1080 if you want to, but it's going to be, it's going to start you at 480 mm. so that you're not blowing through your data. But okay. you can go in and change a setting to, to pump it up. The reason it's a gray tank, though, is that Verizon's plans could not be more confusing they're also expensive they are expensive they're so and here, expensive the the cost for we have two lines there's two of two verizon phones abby and, and and myself the cost for two two lines 
It's the same as the cost for four lines. Yeah, it's like so, so it's it's thirty five dollars per line if you have four lines, and it's seventy dollars per line if you have two lines. That is absurd. It is. It's because they want you to buy the phones. They, it's all in an attempt to get yeah. you to buy all the other stuff so, that goes with it. Now I mean, the, you know. the Verizon plans their their name. This is their names. <laughs> Start unlimited. Play more unlimited, <laughs> do more unlimited, and get more unlimited. And just and kids. just kids. Now, just what? Kids. Which one would you think would be the 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 higher end of those three? Play well, more, do more, more, get more. Get more. I, I guess, but there's no. I mean, like, what? I don't even know what the difference is between some. It's very confusing. Play more yeah. and do more are the same price, but they have just very slightly different features. It's very strange. There's some cool things that are coming with these. So, like, Apple Music is going to be included with some. Uh, All three of these plans are going to... They used to have Disney Plus free for a year. Yeah. It's no longer free for a year. It's just going to be included. And it's not just Disney Plus. It's Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN, that bundle that Disney Plus has for all those three. Yeah. Yes. If we if we change these plans, so that's that's normally like eighteen bucks a month from from Disney Plus, mm-hmm. uh, but you can get all of that included in your plan, so that's cool. So I might be able to watch the Bears this season play in an empty stadium that's made to look <laughs> like there's a ton of people. That should in have it. been my black. <laughs> <laughs> we caught a baseball game oh, the other day for no. the first time, and holy cow, the fake, <laughs> the fake crowds are so bad. They're so bad, they do just that like double arm pump constantly. Oh. Like, yay! All right, let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. What phrase is represented by the following? Peanuts say nothing. Pretzels remain silent. Pint of lager says, "What are you looking at?" Well, I'm looking at the answer, so I'm not going to guess now because I, I had to watch you open it because I was like, ah, this is very confusing. <laughs> we'll uh, give you guys the answer <laughs> next time on the RV Miles podcast. We absolutely will. And hey, if you are listening to the show today, we would like to invite you to head over to YouTube and check out the RV Miles YouTube channel because we have been cranking out the content over there. We have put out a few really cool videos recently. One about that boondocking experience celebrating Jason's one year anniversary of his first brain surgery, not the second or the third attempt. And also we had just put out that news article that I alluded to a little bit ago. It's got a ton of more information in it, including the biggest RV shower Ever. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a goal for us. I, we have been really pushing uh, the YouTube content hard. I have a go- My goal is 50,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I think that that is totally doable. So if you are one of those individuals who has not joined us over there, we would love for you to join us over there. We try to be very active with the videos and try to respond to comments as much as possible. And hey, if you're watching right here on YouTube, this episode is on YouTube as well. We are now putting the RV Miles podcast on YouTube so you can watch it there and see our faces for some reason Yeah, instead of just hearing what we do. Yeah, I don't know why you want to look at us, but we appreciate it. So also just a reminder hey rv miles is all across social media we are on facebook instagram twitter every once in a while and (laughs) barely uh and also jason and i do a live on monday nights over at our wandering family on facebook as long as service allows us to do it we hop on at 7 p.m central and we just try to chat for a half hour 45 minutes about whatever comes up we might have some topics sometimes sometimes we don't 
And of course, if you have any questions about this podcast, if you have an idea for something you want us to talk about, because hey, this podcast is just as much for you as it is for us. Send us an email, editor at rvmiles.com. And please let us know because we love, love, love hearing from you guys. Y'all are the best. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And until we see you next week, stay safe, wear your mask, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody.